for a really long time, I wasn't sure I wanted kids. You know, you don't always want to talk about it. Like I, I didn't say to my team, I'm having a miscarriage. I'd also just started a job. But I think that idea that, you know, every mom I know is on antidepressants just goes to show the load. And I, I think COVID actually played a really meaningful role in breaking down the walls between who we are as people and who we are as professionals. This myth of self-sufficiency and being independent and doing it all on your own is so damaging because parenting was never meant to be done in this way. Ambika Gotham Pai is the Chief Strategy Officer at Mechanism. She lives in Chicago with her husband and two children. And when she's not splitting herself between her equally busy paid and unpaid roles, she's writing about the intersection of motherhood, mental health, equity and business. Now, as much as I love each and every guest that has come on this show, I've never had such a hard time picking those audio grabs that you hear at the top of the episode because so much of what Ambika says is so relatable. Here, we talk navigating miscarriages while holding down big roles, her different experiences with postpartum depression after the birth of both of her children, and the extra load that comes with leading people at work and taking on their mental load. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the incredibly clever and deeply caring Ambika Gotham Pie. Ambika, thank you so much for being here. You're all the way from Chicago, my first overseas guest, actually. Can you start by introducing yourself and your family? Yes, of course. Hi, I'm Ambika. Um, I do a lot of things, but professionally, I'm the chief strategy officer of a full service agency here in the States called Mechanism. We've done some pretty fun work. We did Joe Biden's visual identity. We put lactating breasts on TV for the first time in history. We've talked about criminal justice reform and marijuana legalization. So lots of exciting, interesting work. Um, and I've been doing that for my entire career. And I recently became a mother about two and a half years ago, um, right in the thick of COVID, which was a fascinating experience. And I was seven months pregnant and my husband and I pretty much moved in with my parents um, at their house in Ohio. And I always joke that I felt like a pregnant teenager in my parents' house. <laughs> but Ajna, who is now about two and a half, was born, you know, at a hospital near my parents' house in May of 2020. And I just had a little boy five months ago named Ahan. Um, so very much still in the transition period from one kid to two kids and sort of what that looks like as a working mom. That's so exciting how big your career has been to date. Can you share a little bit more about the history of your career and how you got to where you are today at Mechanism? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's so funny when people say like it's exciting or big because to me it just feels like it's been such a journey of ups and downs. And, you know, I feel very humbled when people say that because it doesn't always feel like that on the inside. But I've been a strategist since day one, um, which I would have never expected had you asked me in my teenage years. Um, I wanted to be an English professor. My passion is writing. 
but then I added psychology into the mix while I was in college and realized that marketing could be really interesting because it was sort of a mix of, you know, thinking about people and behavior and society, culture, patterns, um, and attaching it to a creative output. So advertising sort of popped up out of nowhere, but then really felt perfect for me. Mm -hmm. And strategy in particular, you know, you would expect me to be like, I want to be a copywriter because writing is my passion in a lot of ways. But strategy is, in my opinion, the best job in the world. It's really, really fun. You get to think about different problems every day. And there are problems that, you know, sometimes people don't think about day to day, but problems that really plague us as a society a lot of the time and try to come up with creative solutions to those problems. So as soon as I got into this career, I, I kind of fell in love with it. I wouldn't say advertising is my end all be all and, and kind of the media twist on things. But I love to think. I know that sounds crazy. And I love to sort of analyze and wonder why and wonder how and wonder what could be. And I feel like that's just the path my career has followed is is following those questions that I like to ask in my life. From becoming a connection of yours on LinkedIn, that makes so much sense that you sort of <laughs> love curiosity and thinking because you share a lot of content about the intersection of feminism, career and motherhood and all of those things. But before we get to that, how does yeah. motherhood then enter the picture from a career point of view? Is there a milestone you're trying to hit as you're sort of moving through your corporate career or did it just happen quite naturally? For a really long time, I wasn't sure I wanted kids. And it's so funny because in in my friend group and Indian people understand this, I was always called auntie. Like I was like the mom of the group. And you know, everyone would say, oh, you're such a mom. You have such maternal energy. But I did not feel that in myself for a very long time. When I realized I wanted to have kids, it wasn't even 100 percent. I want to have kids. It was like, OK, I think this might be something I want. And then I got pregnant and didn't know it and had a very early miscarriage and realized while I was miscarrying that I was pregnant. Oh, wow. And and um got pregnant again and had another miscarriage. Mm. And that one was was much more traumatic because I had actively been thinking about the pregnancy. I had, you know, purchased this little piece of art um, on the recommendation of my therapist who was like, it's OK to be fearful and excited at the same time. So, you know, that was really, really hard. What did that do for you work-wise? How do you go through a miscarriage and then keep up with your job? It was one of the hardest things I've mm -hmm. ever experienced. I had just, when I had my second miscarriage, I had just started at Mechanism, so about four years ago. And um, I was meant to go, I was hired as the head of strategy at the time on the East Coast to really help shepherd one of our biggest clients um, and really kind of, help them see the importance of strategic integrity and strategic rigor. They were a very creatively oriented client at the time. And I was supposed to fly out the next morning for a huge meeting with the clients in Dallas with um, mm. one person from my team and a few other folks. And I remember it, it all happened in the middle of the night. Like I started bleeding a little bit that day, but 
you know, people don't tell you this, but bleeding can be very normal in a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I think we're all consumed by what we've seen in movies and in media where a pregnant woman sees blood and that's that. But in this case, the blood was an indicator that something was going wrong, but I didn't really fully know that yet. And then in the middle of the night, things really escalated. Um, you know, it was severely painful. I knew I was having a miscarriage. And it was four in the morning and I had a flight at seven. And I was sitting there staring at my phone, drafting an email about how I couldn't make it and literally questioning whether I should still go. Wow. And looking back on that, it breaks my heart. Mm. Um, because no one should ever feel that way. You know, especially in a moment that is so deeply sad. Mm, and so personal. Yeah, and like, you know, you don't always want to talk about it. Like, I, I didn't say to my team, I'm having a miscarriage. I'd also just started a job. That's the hard thing too, right? It's, do I want to let them know I'm on the baby train? What's that going to do exactly, for my career? Exactly, exactly. Mm. And, you know, I, I feel like it was one of the formative, it was a formative moment in my life because the grief I felt kind of awakened me to how much I wanted a child. Mm. And the fact that I was still sitting there tethered to my phone in the middle of the night, struggling with what to do when anyone from the outside looking would be like, are you effing crazy? Like, mm -hmm. don't worry about the meeting. But I was worried about the meeting mm -hmm. because that had been the history of my life as an adult had been work, work, work. It is the most important thing. And so that was really hard and taught me a lot and really kind of put me on the path that I think I am now on, which is talking about all of the things that um, you so gracefully set up before we got into this conversation. So I did not think about a certain place in my career um, before having kids. It just sort of happened and it made me realize how badly I wanted it. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting and also really hard. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. So you then have a viable pregnancy that leads to your firstborn. How did you feel pregnant working full-time in a pretty fast-paced industry? It was interesting because after my miscarriage, I it took me a really long time to get pregnant. Mm. It's a struggle in and of itself trying to just coast through life when you're going through that. Yeah, and... What was interesting, I was so afraid of having another miscarriage. And simultaneously, um, a month or two later, my mom got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh, wow. And I very quickly found out that I also had the gene. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, you know, having almost this like feminine, and I, I mean like bodily and energetically feminine crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Of I, I'm not getting pregnant. I keep miscarrying. Does it have something to do with this cancer gene I now have? Is my mom going to be okay? And oof, it was a very heavy, emotionally challenging time. Wow. And then when I did get pregnant with my daughter, I actually found out the week of my mom's last chemo treat. And so there was something so poetic and cosmic about 
I felt. Full circle moment. Everything yeah. falling into place. Yeah. All of a sudden I was like, okay, maybe life's going to turn around. Um, <laughs> but then I had a really hard pregnancy. I bled the whole pregnancy. And at the beginning, obviously, that was so terrifying. Um, there's a specific term for, oh, it's called a threatened miscarriage. Mm. So if you're bleeding in a pregnancy and you don't miscarry, it's just called a threatened miscarriage. So very early on, like 10 or 12 weeks, I had a threatened miscarriage again. And it was just terrifying. So mm. really what was interesting about my pregnancy with Ajna, my daughter, is that it was filled with anxiety and fear. And I was still working every day. In a, at that point, I was chief strategy officer. So I had a, my role had expanded. We had a bigger team. We had way more clients. You know, the agency had grown as well. And to be kind of carrying the load of, is this pregnancy going to work? Um, having the nausea and the exhaustion and all of the beautiful and challenging things that come with pregnancy as well. You know, it was, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. So were you really depleted at that time? And also when did the anxiety start to lessen? I mean, it didn't. That's the problem. It really it? You don't really relax until you're I'm like, did, yeah. has it? <laughs> it's actually now? still here. <laughs> yeah, I just have been anxious for since when? I mean, we joke about it, but that's the reality for a lot of mums, isn't it? It is. You know, I don't know if you saw, there was a really interesting article in a site on a site called Romper. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's really big mm. in the States. Um, and the title was just, every mom I know is on antidepressants. Oh, that was wow. the title. Mm. Um, and going off topic now, but mm. I had never talked about being on antidepressants mm. before. I, I had told my friends, like my close friends, especially those going through pregnancy and postpartum. I was like, if you need to take medication, That's it okay. is okay. Um, and you know, in Indian culture, especially there's a lot of stigma around mental health issues. Mm. Um, but I think that idea that, you know, every mom I know is on antidepressants just goes to show the load mm. that we're carrying in the midst of, you know, terrible working conditions for mothers, lack of parental leave, lack of equity in the workplace, a pandemic, a triple pandemic, as they're calling it now, um, school shootings, like just you know, our, mm -hmm. the load that we carry every day is so much more immense than I think anyone thinks about or gives credit to. And so I do think there's just a lingering anxiety. You know, mm -hmm. we're bringing our most precious beings into the world when the world is just not in a great place. It's mm -hmm. um, so stressful as well, the added anxiety. That is a really real anxiety. It's not like a Hollywood fake anxiety with the school shootings because in Australia that's just something that we just cannot even begin to imagine. So then you do get towards taking your maternity leave. How does that sit with you clocking off from work and how does your maternity leave play out? I hit a 
I hit a wall at the end of my pregnancy with my daughter um, because it, I just wasn't very well in pregnancy. Mm. You know, it was a bit complicated. She wasn't growing great at the end, which, you know, we all know how much we can place undue blame on ourselves and, and guilt ourselves and be like, why is this happening? But I put myself on maternity leave after my doctor was like, you need to relax. Mm. The issue at work, though, is we were doing layoffs at the time because of COVID. The advertising industry took a massive hit. So my last week of working, I was having these very difficult emotional conversations with people I had grown to really care about who I thought were brilliant and incredible about the state of the business and and what that meant for them at the company. So the level of stress was just staggering. We didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we were all paranoid. We didn't really know what COVID fully was. There was no testing. Um, so at 37 weeks, maybe 36 and a half weeks, I actually was like, I need to be done. And I think that was the first time I ever really stood up for myself and my mental health and my health in my life. It's funny that it takes actually caring for someone else for us to care about ourselves, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's like exactly it, it's it. for you, but it's actually really for the baby. That's exactly it. Mm. Yeah. And the only reason I think I had the what at that time I thought was the audacity to do it, which now I'm just like, no, that was just being self-aware. Mm. Um was that it was about my daughter all of a sudden. And for her, I would go to the ends of the earth and do whatever needed to be done. But I had just never thought of doing that for myself. So taking a step back from work for me in both my maternity leaves has been kind of wonderful. That's great. And, you know, I had, I was a member of this incredible community called Chief for a while during my first pregnancy and, and like a fourth trimester, if you will, period. And a lot of the women there, again, very, very high achieving women. Like I would go into these um, Zoom calls because of COVID and be really intimidated and <laughs> feel like an imposter. But, you know, so many of them were like, there is no half in, half out. If you are working, if you are tapped into work, you are tapped into work. They're like, don't do anything, just be on maternity leave. And I actually didn't feel that way because I got to a point where I felt okay detaching. Mm. And I think part of the reason is because I'm not an owner of the company. I think for many entrepreneurs, I can absolutely see how it would be damn near impossible. Mm. But for me, I was like, I have an amazing team, love my boss, trust him, love my partner, trust her. Like we are, we're good. And if any shit hits the fan, I know I will get a phone call. But if shit's not hitting the fan, everyone knows not to contact me. And it was very much respected like nobody I would I don't want to say bothered me it wouldn't have been a bother because I mm. love what I, I care about it and the people but nobody you know 
sought to message me, felt that nobody felt the need. They were like, nothing's an emergency in advertising and we will handle it. So both my maternity leaves, despite the anxiety, despite, you know, postpartum depression, which I've had both times, I had the ability to disconnect from work in a way I didn't even realize I would be able to do, Mm -hmm. having been such a workaholic previously. That's really interesting. I think probably a comforting thing for listeners to hear, because I think something that we're really scared about is how are we going to feel about that, like switching into, I guess, mum mode from work mode and then also the reverse. So then you are on maternity leave with your daughter and you do get postpartum depression, I think about four months postpartum. Uh, Tell us firstly about that initial four months. So I was living in my parents' house, as I mentioned, when Ajna was born and a few months before she was born. And my sister was living there. So it was like a full house sort of situation. And it was hard because that is not how I imagined my child coming into the world. At the time, we were living in Brooklyn. We had our friends were all around us. We had a very... um, incredible supportive community you know I had thought about the room you know little things like that I had nested if Mm. you will um and then all of a sudden we're off to Ohio living in my parents house and I it's really interesting because I think we are ingrained with such an individualistic do or die self-sufficiency ethos, especially in the States. I don't know if you feel the same way. And to be in my mother and father's home with my little sister (laughs) and my husband, you know, at the time I was like, this is insane. I wish I had my own space, blah, blah, blah. But looking back, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So much support. Yeah, I'm holding my which you can't see on a podcast, but especially, you know, my mom had been ill. She was doing great. She was in remission. Like my sister is my best friend. And so I actually felt so held for the first two months of Ajna's life because I was with my family. So you had a bit of a village. And my mom's friends, bless them, were like, dropping off my favorite foods that they knew I loved since my childhood. And, you know, all my cousins who live down the street from us were coming by and like looking at the baby through the window. And we were all sitting outside on the deck with our masks on. And it was a weird time. I have this picture of um, my cousin who's like a sister to me in a full hazmat suit holding on because That's she was so interesting that it was during that period. I guess that would have made the support maybe even, I guess, intense in some ways being in such close quarters with your family, but also you weren't really able to get normal support systems in place during COVID. So it would have been a bit of a blessing. Exactly. Otherwise we would have been totally alone. And I think, you know, I've done a lot of reading and research as a strategist will um, about postpartum and you know one of the things they say puts women at the highest risk of postpartum is isolation Mm. so imagine this generation of covid moms who all grappled with intense 
acute isolation in a way that human mm. beings haven't in generations. Yeah. You know, it's so like, interesting that you say that because even just the little things that I get off my chest with other new mums at a coffee shop, I've just realized that they, you wouldn't have been able to do that. No. And I, I, I realized much later that I actually had to mourn that mm. because I never got to leave my house when I was on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had a really bad um, pelvic floor issues. Like I was in a lot of pain for months. I couldn't walk for a while, more than like five minutes, you know? And I think the only escape for moms during that time was walking around, mm -hmm. you know, put the kid in the stroller or strap them on and just walk because what else can you do? And so I couldn't do that. And it was really when I came back to Brooklyn from my parents' place, we had we had to move apartments during that time. So we were in a new apartment with boxes everywhere. I was like unpacking. My husband was back at work, taking care of the baby. You know, I couldn't sit on the floor because I was still in so much pain. And it just hit me so hard. There was this moment when I knew I needed to do something where I was, I had a, a plate of food in front of me and I could not lift the fork to my mouth. Like mm -hmm. that was a level of depletion. I felt, I'm feeling very emotional. Sorry. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'll probably cry at some point during this. I'll probably join you. I'm pretty, pretty emotional myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you both just had babies. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're in this right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm honestly going through postpartum right now, too. Mm. So it's just hard to talk about and it's hard to think back to it um, and what it was like the first time around. But, you know, that was really scary because I'm a very high functioning, overachieving, workaholic, mm. productivity obsessed person. And to all of it, that debilitated mm. is terrifying. We're so used to having control if we are that sort of type A personality and it's sort of the first time where you really don't have control, I think, parenthood. You you have to relinquish right. all control for the first time. And if you are a high achiever, you're like, where yes. am I getting that external sort of reckoning for my work? Because it's not like that. Exactly. Really tricky. So how far into your postpartum are you here? And during all of this, are you starting to get nervous about the return to work and how that plays into it? Or is it so far from your mind at that stage? Um, it's honestly hard for me to remember mm -hmm. because I think, you know, one thing I also think isn't, isn't talked about enough is just how much of your brain you like lose touch with, like memory you know, ability to retain information, forget, like my, I'm forgetting, I forget everything, mm. you know, my brain is just not what it used to be, which is interesting too, being a strategist and we can get there. But my postpartum with Ajna hit, I came back from my parents' house around eight week postpartum. And I think by like three or four months, I was like in it and four months um, is when I went back to work. And that was including unpaid time off as well. Um, because I just felt like I couldn't go back after just 12 weeks. So I took 16 weeks with Ajna. And it was interesting. In some ways, I felt 
good about returning to work because I love it. I've always loved it. Do I love working like a maniac? No. <laughs> Do I love working crazy hours? No. But I love thinking and using my brain in that way and talking to my colleagues and brainstorming. Like, I just love that. So it really filled my cup in a different way. And because of COVID, we were all working from home. And so I was able to continue breastfeeding without thinking about having to pump at work and transport milk home and, mm-hmm. you know, which is incredibly stressful, it seems, for every mom. And I was able to, you know, pop out of meetings and go see Ajna and hold her and just sit in the same room if I was just working on a deck and not on a call. And I think that helped immensely. Like I cannot imagine going back to an office full time four months after having a baby. Yeah, it sort of made it more gradual because you could still do both. It wasn't just walking out the door and not seeing your daughter until 6 p.m. Exactly. And my husband was working from home too, which was amazing because, you know, there are times when we need to do meetings at 9 p.m., you know, because the majority of us on the leadership team, if not all of us, are parents, which is also incredible. Like that understanding, like you don't need to say it twice. Like we've got each other. And so, you know, Jason Harris, our CEO is like, okay, I'm off from this time to this time. I'm coaching um, Cole's soccer game. Tor, our president on the East Coast is like, okay, um, Frankie and Leo get home at five. I'm off from five to eight. You know, I'm the same. So we, we really work around each other. And so having that support at work and honestly cultivating that level of honesty at a corporate level Mm. has been has saved me truly you know being able to tell my team you know hey I have really bad morning sickness I just I can't do work today can you guys cover and then being like oh my god of course don't worry and then if one of them is like hey I need a mental health day I'm like I've got it don't worry like yeah, cultivating that honesty and, and normalizing talking about what you need as a human being. Do you think you had that empathy before becoming a parent? I personally think I would have had a little bit, but I wouldn't have fully understood before. That's a really interesting question. I think I think a lot of things can build that level of empathy. Mm. When my mom was sick, for instance, and I told the rest of the exec team because I was like, they have to know. Like, I am not going to be performing the way I was at all. And having, you know, another one of the execs reach out to me like, hey, my mom had cancer and my wife had cancer and I'm here for you. Let me know how I can help you and support you. So I don't think it's just about becoming a parent, I think it's actually about going through really transformative moments and having experienced not just the ups, but the downs of life. That's really well put and makes so much sense. It's like any of those sort of life transformations or things that challenge us and the way we thought and the way we move through the world lead to that level of empathy. It seems as well like that sort of support network is make or break for working parents. 
So it's great to hear that so many businesses are leading the way in that regard, because it just wasn't like that once upon a time. I even think five years ago, it wasn't as much like that. I absolutely agree. I remember I had a boss about previously in my career who told me having children was selfish. And why would I not pour all my energy into making the world a better place versus just procreating my own lineage? And it was a woman, which was interesting. But you are so right. And I think that's why I'm so outspoken about this stuff. Because I came up in this industry and in the business world during a time when there wasn't this level of support. Mm. There wasn't this level of honesty. If you were crying, if you happened to be crying at your desk, people would be like, oh, my God, what's happening? Versus come up to you, surround you and be like, let's go to the bathroom or like, can I get you water? I think we have and I think COVID actually played a really meaningful role in breaking down the walls between who we are as people and who we are as professionals. But I also think there's a new generation of leaders who are really fundamentally changing business. It's really exciting, isn't it? You sort of imagine what it would be like in 20 years and you think it's exciting that it's finally moving in this direction. Yeah, exactly. So then you do go on to have your son, I believe you're five months postpartum now. How did this maternity leave go for you? You have postpartum depression again, or maybe it doesn't go away. I don't really know how that works. How do you go into giving birth and going on maternity leave, knowing that that might come up for you? And how has the return to work been as a mother of two? My entire experience, this pregnancy, I got pregnant quickly, had no issues. So it was very, it was actually foreign to me to have this sort of pregnancy. I remember my doctor, you know, I was like, why is, why am I not having a sonogram? Like, why am I not having another anatomy scan? And I was like trying to be hyper vigilant about everything the way I was in my last pregnancy. And she was like, because this pregnancy is just normal. Mm-hmm. She's like, because yeah. it's, everything is just fine. And how's that? You couldn't even totally enjoy that everything was just moving I the know. way it should because we worry about everything. Yeah. I had to unlearn a lot of trauma, honestly, in this pregnancy. And then, COVID was much better. I had met some of the moms in Chicago at that point, um, having just moved about a year and a half ago from New York. People, we were pregnant at the same time. We were having babies at the same time. My mom was here for a few weeks. My husband's mom was here for a few weeks. My sister came. My cousin came. Like Again, I, I felt very held um, and very supported. And then once everyone left, my husband got no parental leave, mm. zero. So I'm really grateful we had family support. And once everyone left, I, I kind of flourished. It was really interesting. I loved being home with my son. I loved not having to work. I was reading. I was like, having so many ideas. I was writing every day. Wow. And I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been. 
And I genuinely felt I was like, this is the happiest I have, I've ever been. I feel a sense of like content and I don't want to say completion because I don't buy into the idea that like our children complete us. I think we are complete. But I, I just felt really happy. And so when when this round of postpartum, if you can call it that, hit, I was really surprised. That's really interesting. But it came after some really brutal weeks. You know, I had just gone back to work. And again, I took 18 weeks this time. Um, six weeks unpaid, which was scary a little. You know, money matters when you're having children. And um, I thought I was coasting. You know, I was like, I'm good. I've got this. I, I'm impressed with myself. Maybe I can do this. And everything had been different from the pregnancy. So you probably thought this is just different. And I'm not going to get yes. this again. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I was getting out of the house every day. I was sitting at a coffee shop writing with my baby and my dog and my coffee in the summer. And it was amazing. And then I go back to work. It's my first full week back at work. And my daughter gets very sick and she's home that entire week. Simultaneously, my husband's having the busiest you know, a few weeks of his year, you know, Q4, he's in real estate investment, like a lot going on. And we have a nanny, God bless. Um, but she's trying to keep the baby away because I don't want the baby to get sick. So it's my first week of work. Ajna's home with me. She's not in a good place. She's two and a half years old, tantrum city, also sick, clinging to me like a second skin. And I remember there was one morning when um, I was like, she's going to school today. She slept through the night. She didn't wake up with a fever. She's going to school. Despite the fact that I had probably, I was waking up like seven to 12 times every night that week. Mm -hmm. And that's just that sleep deprivation in and of itself. And at that point, I think the adrenaline's run out too, right? So you're actually more tired than you are in the newborn phase. Yes, it's so true. Like, I just felt a way I had genuinely never felt before, just in terms of depletion. And it was Thursday and I thought she was going to school and... She wasn't, obviously. And my husband was like, I know you really think she, she, I know you really want her to go to school, but I just don't think we can send her. And I was speaking on a panel that day. Mm. And um, it was really important to me. It was like for this organization called Allyship in Action. And it was about the return to work. And we were talking about disabilities and mental health and all of the implications on the return to work. And I was so looking forward to it because that's like the part of my cup that's been empty. And I love talking about that stuff. And it's so important to me. But I, I just didn't know what to do. I was truly crumbling. So that was the onset, I think, for me. And then I had a really um, devastating setback with a personal project that I had been pouring myself into throughout maternity leave and for about a year, year and a half prior. And 
it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. All of a sudden, I, I didn't have my light at the end of the tunnel, which was this personal project that had really been keeping me going and keeping me motivated and inspired. And then for that to kind of it, I wouldn't say it was ripped away from me, but the the rug was pulled out from under me a little bit. And I had to kind of like refine my footing, which I have not yet. I'm still mm-hmm. finding it. But all of a sudden, you know, I was like, OK, I can't do this. And similar to the like couldn't raise my fork to my mouth moment with Ajna, with Ahan, I we got to my parents' house for the holidays. And again, you know, four months sleep regression, my toddler's adjusting to having a brother and all, all sorts of things. They both got sick again. And we weren't sleeping again all of a sudden. And I remember like, I was struggling to get the kids down. I was so depleted. We had just driven in from out of town. And I laid down on the couch just thinking I was going to chill for a second before going up and hanging out with everyone. And I broke down. I felt like I couldn't move. You know, that same sense of like debilitation, like something Mm -hmm. is sitting on you and it's very oppressive. It's like a feeling of, yes, it's stifling. And that's sort of where I am right now. Mm. So that must have been recently then, right? Because you've only just recently gone back to work. Yes, this was in the last month. Actually, yeah, I went back to work, I think, December. Oh, no, it has not even been a month. Mm. It's been no time. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, So it's been, it's really been a lot. It's been really challenging. Do you work full-time or have you paired it back to part-time? What's the culture in America around that? I work full-time. Wow. So you went back five days a week straight away. Straight away. huge. And, you know, I thought, I have thought about every option. But as much as I feel a commitment to myself and my family, I also feel a commitment to my work. Mm. The company got acquired right before I went on maternity leave. So although I was fine being disconnected, there were parts of me that were like, my company is going through a lot. Mm. Just got acquired. I'm a huge part of the future of the company. I'm missing out on getting to help build that future during these really key months. That's really interesting. And if there are any new players, obviously, with the acquisition, it's like reintroducing yourself to them, proving your worth because they haven't seen your work for the last four years. Exactly. So you have this guilt and identity shift happening with going from a mother of one to a mother of two and worrying about your daughter and how she adjusts. Then it's the sleep deprivation of the newborn. Then it's returning to work for that second time. Like it's so much. Yeah, it's been a lot. And you know, I love my company. And again, like, it's a very supportive place. But I also play the role in leadership of like the one that people come to. So I carry a lot of the emotional weight. And you care a lot, obviously, too. So it's not something where you're like, I'm just a good you know, empath who you could chat to. It's like you're carrying that weight. Yeah. And that's something I need to work on. And I know that's a weakness of mine as a leader is it's not a weakness. It's a it's my double edged sword as a leader. I'm 
a very emotional person and I open myself up to other very emotional people Mm. or people who are just feeling emotions. I think everyone is an emotional person. It's just how emotions are expressed. And I love being that. I love being able to help people navigate or not even help just be there, you know, but it's a lot. And so I came back to an influx of people who had kind of bottled up their feelings for a long time. Wow, they're almost waiting for your turn. It's like mom's back to work. Mom's at home as well, and she's also back at work. Yeah, and it was so funny. I flew in for our holiday party to surprise the team. And that was a fun story where maybe you and I can talk about it when we meet and have drinks one day. (laughs) But... um, I flew in just for 24 hours to go to a party. That was like my first outing after becoming a mom of two. And the whole party, I was just listening to people and their journeys. And I was like, I came here to drink and party. And And maybe like talk about your own big experiences. Right. It's a lot to take on. My husband was like, when I got back, he's like, how many people asked to see pictures of, of Ahan? And I was like, Nobody. I was like, it was not about that. It was not about. So how interesting. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot. And I I did really think, can I go back, you know, two days a week and then three days a week and then, you know, ramp up. But a lot of companies are going through some crazy times. We're in a recession. You know, I just I'm so fortunate to have a job I love and a team that, you know, we've built together over the years that I adore and think are brilliant and I want to support. And so that also didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's no um, silver bullet is there. If, like there's no perfect well, solution for working parent. So how then yeah. are you setting up your weeks? To, I guess, protect yourself emotionally and personally, but also to get the best out of you professionally. Are there things that you do in your week that help things run a bit smoother? I have hours when everyone knows I do not work. And that's, I think that's pretty standard at this point. And I think boundaries are starting to be more respected as long as work is getting done. And we have something at Mechanism called Mech Off. So you just write mech off on parts of your calendar and that that time is untouchable. And of course, there's like the occasional violation. Like I have a meeting with people in Asia at 7.30 a.m. in a few days. Mm. Uh, But that's totally fine because every other morning, nothing gets in the way of me waking up, getting the kids ready, dropping off, doing drop offs. Um, So mech off is is helpful, but I have to say I don't. I don't know. I don't have tips or tricks or solves. Like I'm very much taking it day by day. And some days are really hard and some days feel pretty good. And Mm. some days I'm able to kind of look in on my life and say, this is the life you've always wanted. Like, Look at what you have. Look at what you've built and feel like this deep, deep gratitude for that. And then there are days where I'm furious and exhausted and wondering 
how the world is, how it is, and how any of us parents of children right now are going to make it through Mm. and keep our sanity. So you write a lot about the intersection of feminism, parenting, career on LinkedIn, and that's actually how I found you. You write beautifully, and they're really interesting topics that I think are relevant for so many working parents. Can you tell us a little bit about how that started and just about that side to your work and your passions? When I was on maternity leave this time, as I mentioned, like, I don't know what it was, maybe downtime, honestly, like I was taking naps with the baby and watching TV and reading books. And I just had so many ideas. And one day when the baby was down for a nap, I was sitting out on this, my little balcony here connected to my bedroom. And I was like, I'm going to start a newsletter. And I literally went into Canva, designed something in five minutes and just put it out. And the newsletter is called Corner Office Breakdowns, which is about, you know, kind of destigmatizing emotions in the workplace, but also breakdowns in terms of analysis and strategy. I love the name because it seems I actually love that like- too. That's really smart. <laughs> I love it. And the the little icon is just like one of those smiley faces with a tear, which <laughs> is my most used emoji in my phone. And I, yeah, again, like being a mother has opened my eyes to so much that is wrong and so much of what is right. You know, it has exposed me to again like you know people say this all the time and until you maybe have a child or experience something of that magnitude it may not sink in in the same way but you know that love and that wonder of watching your child grow and become who they're gonna be like oh it is just it's so precious and so yeah being a mother has introduced a lot of beauty into my life but it's also introduced a lot of anger and discontent from you know how women are treated in the medical system you know I've had some really awful experiences with doctors and insurance companies and you know being told that the pain I have is nothing and it's in my head um you know, going through a miscarriage and and learning that, you know, even though you experience that gravity of a loss and it feels like a death, it's never incorporated into bereavement policies. Mm. And so at Mechanism, it now is, which is wonderful. And so, yeah, it was it it was an awakening of sorts. And I do so much writing kind of alone in my notebook. I've kept a journal since I was a child. Um, I was writing on like Zanga and Dead Journal, if that rings a bell for anyone, like in the I don't know, early, early 2000s. So <laughs> writing has always been my outlet. And I just I couldn't contain some of this stuff anymore. Like I couldn't contain the idea of working and having postpartum or reconciling a high a high stakes job with a miscarriage mm-hmm. or, you know, how people from different countries and immigrant immigrant backgrounds just 
truly do not have even close to the opportunities that others do because of nepotism and how, you know, people need to be louder about their success then. And then they're deemed, you know, self-aggrandizing and vain and egotistical. And so all of these ideas were just coming up. And, you know, there were days I wrote like three posts in a day because I was just like, you're just on. (laughs) And, you know, I was in touch with my creativity and myself in a way I hadn't been in so long because I wasn't working. Mm. And that's a little scary, Mm. right? Because I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been. And what is that? Yeah, that's another type of identity grappling in and of itself. It is. But what I realized, and um, one of my friends who wrote an amazing book called Choose Wonder Over Worry, if for anyone looking for a book that helps you choose wonder over worry, (laughs) it's exactly what it says told me she's like your life is your work and your work is your life and so coming back to work this time around I'm not thinking about my writing as separate from my work or my side project as separate from my work I'm actually thinking about how all of it feeds each other Mm -hmm. and even today you know I wrote a post about mental load and how I haven't posted in a long time because I just feel like the days are so long and grueling. But if you looked at my calendar, you would be like, she doesn't have that many meetings. Like, what is she talking about? She's not even fully onboarded on clients yet, blah, blah, blah. But how that doesn't mean you don't carry a big mental load and that your days Mm -hmm. aren't long and exhausting. And that is that is work related, but it's also deeply personal. It also talks about mental health. It also talks about motherhood. It also talks about ambition and being the type of person who thinks their calendar needs to be full every day because that's what I grew up thinking ambition and success was, right? Busy, 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 hopping on a flight to so-and-so and and meeting this person for lunch and dinner and networking. And that's not it at all. Mm -hmm. That's another reason motherhood can be so hard, right? Because we have this external gratification. Like you literally, I would open my laptop and be like, oh my God, I have seven meetings today. And actually feel a bit more important than I would on a day where I had two, which is ridiculous. Like, why do we do that? We we're just, you know, I, and this might sound extreme, but I truly feel like our generation is working to dismantle a lot of toxic perceptions around work. Mm. And even just what you're writing about, like you're bringing identities and people to these stories like we know that there's really high-flying mothers in the workforce but no one talks about that that woman that walked into that office that morning has severe postpartum depression or she feels real heaviness in her lower region I, maybe I won't I don't know why I won't name it we probably have sworn already but you know what I mean like there's so much potentially going yes. on with that person that you're just seeing as this working mom who's kicking goals but there's so much more to it There's so much more. And I think even just acknowledging that there's so much more, even if you don't know exactly what it is, just acknowledging that each person every day is going through their own thing Mm -hmm. and bringing that acknowledgement and humanity into work, even that is progress. Mm. 
because it does teach you about different experiences too, as you were saying. I think the big life experience of motherhood has actually given me more empathy for other challenges that people face, which is what you were talking about earlier. So then it's just being more aware of the breadth of challenge that we're all going through each day. Exactly. And, you know, it can be something as tangible as going through a divorce or a breakup or losing a parent or a grandparent or a friend or a loved one or, you know, getting fired from your job. Whatever it is, we need to make space for that. And we need to understand that there is no problem that is more important or bigger than the other. Everyone's Mm. experience is their own. And just yesterday, I was talking to this woman I work with. She's also a strategist and we've known each other for years. And we were talking about our breaks and how we don't know how to rest. Like just that. We don't know how to rest. And even that, that is a struggle that we are both facing, right? We don't know how to turn off. We don't know how to lay down and just close our effing eyes and take a break. And, you know, that's not a small thing for someone to admit. And so when someone brings you something like that, you know, not everyone feels a responsibility the way maybe I do, but I think to a certain extent, as people who are part of a collective, it is our responsibility to hold that space for each other and figure out, okay, this person needs rest. How can I create moments of rest for them, Mm. especially as leaders? Mm. And that's why I think leadership is so much at the core of this conversation, because if those of us who are leading companies and running teams and, you know, out in front of organizations aren't talking about this and normalizing it, it's not going to happen. But we're also going to take the brunt of the troll. They <laughs> 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 have so many people who are say, say such mean stuff, but really? it's fine. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Did you, if you were going to complain about if you were going to complain about it, and I'm like, oh my God, you're going to miss Wow. Yeah, totally missing the point. If someone wants to read your newsletter, where do they find it? Um, it's on LinkedIn. It's called, as I said, Corner Office Breakdown, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. I also post a lot on Instagram, and if you are a mother or a parent, I actually post much more postpartum and breastfeeding and and things that are a little bit more out of the realm of the professional. Mm. Um, and that's at Ambika, A-M-B-I-K-A-G-P. Um, so yeah, I would love it. And I've connected with some of the most amazing people just through posting more openly and honestly about this stuff. Um, and it's actually been really rewarding. That's great. It's amazing too how quickly you feel like you know people because of the shared experiences. Like I already feel like I've known you for much longer than a few emails and an hour of conversation. So Ambika, before I leave you, I have another few questions. If you could go back to newly pregnant Ambika and give her a bit of advice around career and motherhood, what would that be? It's okay to deprioritize things. You don't have to do everything at 100%. In fact, in your entirety, you only have 100%. 
So allocate your time and energy wisely. Um, and don't feel like everything needs all of you all the time. That is a beautiful answer. I'm going to try and uh, take that into my own return to work. We'll see how I go. And one final question for you. If you could solve one challenge for working mothers and parents today, what would it be? I would bring so much more awareness to the load people carry. Because I don't think anyone can fathom what it feels like to be accountable for the health and wellness and life and, you know, nutrition of a little being that is the most precious aspect of your life while trying to be a productive citizen in the world. And I don't think anyone understands how our societal structure and the structure of the nuclear family and this myth of self-sufficiency and being independent and doing it all on your own is so damaging because parenting was never meant to be done in this way. And all of a sudden, you know, one or two people are accountable for everything with these little people, their jobs, their homes, their families, their aging parents. We're carrying the burden of everything happening in the world. And I would just want people to be much more aware of what the workings of a working mother are and how much work actually goes into her every day. You're already bringing so much awareness to that. So I'm going to continue watching you build up on that content and your writing and whatever comes for you in the future. Thank you so much for being here today. Really enjoyed chatting to you. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to see how um, you blow ready or not out of the water. And I'm here to support. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. In acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, each episode I'll be doing a shout out to an Indigenous business or charity doing great things. This week it's Young Auntie's House, a creative space for First Nations women and LGBTQI plus mob to access mentoring and development opportunities across the creative industries. Check them out online at Young Auntie's House. That's house spelt H-A-U-S. That's it for today. See you next time.